Check out the Political Truth Apparel line. Covefe. Rhino hunting season. Secretary of Snakes. And more to come. Fun, fashionable, edgy, cational. Go to Mr. C Online Store at www.thecreport.com. Click on the top right menu. Use coupon code 1776REBORN at checkout. Pardon me. <coughs> what a way to start a Monday. Hey, it's Lone Star News. What do you know? It's right over there. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. How are y'all doing? Welcome back to another edition of Lone Star News. <coughs> Pardon me. <laughs> Pardon the hard start. I'm all coughing in the mic and what have you. I was just making sure you guys are awake, but... Um, Welcome, welcome, Lone Star News, uh, Monday, October 3rd, 2022. I'm your host, Mr. C, and uh, we'll be talking some uh, Texas news for the next uh, yeah, yeah, hour or so, guys. Got a couple of things to go over with you all. Uh, last, last week, I thought we had a pretty good bundle of shows here over at Lone Star News. I'd recommend any of you all who are interested in some local Texas events, if you are from the Lone Star State area, uh, go and check it out. You know, we talked about the Texas Railroad Commissioner um, election on Friday. And that one's a fun one in itself. There is just so much going on in that one race alone. I'll be paying attention to. I'm very curious to know how Texas is going to vote. Although if I had to put my money on it, I would say that Texas is probably going to keep Wayne Christian, corrupt Republican um, um, commissioner, incumbent, in office. You know, I mean... Can you blame them, really, ladies and gentlemen? We've been so scarred by the Democrats that even <laughs> when we need to get the ones who are responsible for the death of, you know, nearly a thousand. Okay, I might be rounding up there, guys. But, I mean, 700 is pretty close to a thousand dead Texans, if, uh, if, uh, if you catch my drift. But then millions more without power. It's, you know, I would say the Texas Railroad Commissioner's election, the race for 2022 is pivotal. It's consequential, uh, but it's also defining, you know, uh, depending on how you're looking at that race, ladies and gentlemen, you are either saying uh, this race will uh, define one's 
loyalties to the Republican Party, or you will define it as a race that really calls to question the value of taking the best candidates over one's political party. But that just depends on how you look at it, guys. Uh, and, you know, don't look at it through my lens. By all means, don't look at it through my lens uh, because I showed you guys the candidates for the railroad commissioner. And indeed, you know, you would have to pull some really hard strategy in your head. Like, you know, like I have to do the mental exercising, right? The burpees, the two mile jogs in my mind in order to justify a vote for a Democrat over a Republican. But the question again is, who is the best qualified to get the job done? There's a lot of strategy that goes into that race, guys. If, you know, if you're voting for the Democrat to get this, uh, to get this, uh, this um, corrupt and killer Republican out, you have to be ready for the long haul, right? It's not just going to be about getting this one Wayne Christian out and getting someone better in because you have three commissioners who have staggered elections, which means if you have three corrupt commissioners, you're looking at six years of hard work to get these corrupt commissioners out and get someone good in and at the same time, get out the ones that you got in that may not be as good. For example, when we're talking about this race, 2022, if I'm going to be totally honest with you guys, looking at the playing field, you have to choose from two people, Republican Wayne Christian and Democrat Luke Warford. Who are you going to choose? Are you going to play party lines? Are you going to get the best man in? And then the question is indeed, who is the best man? Now, as a career politician, and someone who's worked with the energy industry for decades, right? Because he was a, a United States Congressman first, Wayne Christian, right? No doubt he was probably willing and dealing with his energy buddies in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s before he became the commissioner and uh, got into the seat that he is. And he's tossing, you know, money back and forth between him and his energy industry buddies and the executive office of the state of Texas. And then we got Luke Warford, who's a Democrat, who believes in the Green Deal, who probably wants to bring in all of this energy constricting, energy regulating, job killing stuff to the office of the energy czar of Texas. So what are you going to do, Texas? What are you going to do? Are you going to are you going to take out the corrupt guy whose deaths of almost a thousand Texans and millions of people who were left in despair in the February of 2021 storm winter Yuri? Are you going to take him out and bring in a Democrat that wants to shut down energy? And it, it would be eventual. So do you guys see the dilemma, right? Okay, do you guys see the dilemma? Now, you have to think strategy if you're going to buck your party lines and you're going to bring the best person in. It takes some work, you know. So what would strategy be here? Get out the corrupt and uh, bloody-handed Wayne Christian, bring in Luke Warford, and then pray to God when his next term for um, voting comes up, because it's staggered. So in six years, when we got to get Luke Warford out, pray to God 
that there is a candidate good enough to take him out who is also with conservative values and does not want to kill the energy industry in Texas, but wants us to make wants to make Texas energy dominant while securing and ensuring the taxpayers don't pay extra, don't pay for the energy industry and all of the regulations and safety precautions that they should be handling themselves. Because that's what we're doing right now. That's the ticket with, that's the deal with Wayne Christian. Wayne Christian is like, well, you know, Texas can pay for your safety standards. The taxpayers don't mind. You don't have to pay for that oil industry. You don't have to pump out the extra million of dollars to weatherize your pipelines or to plug your wells, right? That's what Wayne Christian is doing for the energy industry. He's making sure Texas taxpayers are paying for crap that they should be doing anyways. So what are you going to do, Texas? Okay. I, you know, you know, it's like I say, I've put this entire railroad commissioner's race onto a moral onto a moral decision for voters. Are they going to vote against party lines? Are they going to honor party lines? Who is the best man for the job? Ultimately, you, the voter, have to decide that for yourself. Okay. Ultimately, you, the voter, have to decide that for yourself respectfully. That's the way that our um, election process government is set up, right? It's a private vote, y'all. So you guys have to decide how you're going to vote. All right. And, and it really is on a moral decision because are you going to vote in the best person if the best person is indeed not a Republican or are you going to stay on party lines and vote in the worst person just because you want to stay on party lines? It's a moral question for most of you all because of the political party. OK, if there were no political parties, this would not be a moral question. But that's not what we're here to talk about today, guys. We're not here to talk about political parties and whether or not they should exist. That is a conversation that I will have to move to a future point in time. Because right now we have to worry about saving our republic and we have to worry about, uh, we have to think about, concentrate on utilizing, ex exercising, and even exploiting our best options to ensure that we can get our republic back to where we want it and how it should be. With that said, we've got a great show ahead of you guys here on Lone Star News today. As most of you all may know, on Friday of last week, when we were talking about the railroad commissioners long about 3 p.m. Central Texas time, in the evening down in the valley, we had the first, the one, and the only Texas gubernatorial debate that will take place before Election Day unless any of them, either, either two of the uh, two-party candidate system candidates get a hair up their butt and decide they want to do another debate, it's likely not going to happen, okay? So uh, long about, uh, what, in the evening time hours, we had uh, the um, uh, Greg Abbott versus Beta O'Rourke I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Uh, the Robert Francis O'Rourke debates uh, happening. Uh, incidentally, we are going to watch some of that today. In my opinion, guys, weak debate. 
week debate. I already watched the whole thing. It's about an hour long. We're not going to watch the entire debate today on Lone Star News. Uh, what we're going to do is I want to I want to share um, a story or two with you guys first. And then after that, we'll watch the debate uh, through the duration of the show, just so you guys can kind of see what we're dealing with. Because I mean, after all, Texans have to decide between Greg Abbott establishment rhino, right? Um, uh, Beta O'Rourke, uh, progressive liberal panty boy, right? Uh, Delilah Barrios, fierce eyebrows, has no sense of anything green party person. And then who is, who is the, uh, I keep on forgetting who the libertarian candidate was. All I know is he's from Mexico, right? He was born in Mexico. That's all I know. So the guy for the libertarians, was born in Mexico and uh, he's like one of those like really, really, really Caucasian skinned Hispanics. <laughs> Anyways, guys, uh, that's who we have to choose from. All right. So we'll air the Abbott beta um, a debate through the duration of the show today, right? We're here for an hour. So uh, I want to get into uh, the story I wanted to share with you guys. It's an election-based story. In fact, you know, I was going to be live over on YouTube today, uh, but uh, chose not to because I, at the last minute, had to get this election story in uh, with you all. And you guys know that uh, YouTube is not friendly towards election stories, but this one is pretty interesting because it goes back down to everything that we've been talking about here at Lone Star News about elections, about election integrity, even if you want to expand that into the sphere of like, you know, Mr. CTV and the C Report and all the stories that we normally do. Uh, but then also there was the manner of the lawsuit that I had brought to TL's attention by those Texans who were um, brave and bold enough to file that, to fight for our rights in the, uh, in the court of the courts, <laughs> so to speak, uh, in the court of the judges, right, in, in the state of lawfare. Uh, that this also kind of comes up, guys, because you guys all know the forensic audit of 2000 and uh, what, 21? And we're talking here about the one in Maricopa County. We're talking about the one that was the full forensic audit, the gold standard of audits, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Uh, was something that was closely watched here at Mr. CTV. You know, it was almost a play-by-play -play during the C reports back in what, April, May, June of last year. And um, we had a situation where President Trump called out Governor Abbott, he called in a favor, okay? Governor, you know, he President Trump was like, I basically um, endorsed you three times, 2021 to 2022, Abbott. <laughs> so uh, I need you to do a full forensic audit of your state of Texas, even though Texas voted for Trump, okay? So th this is where this is coming from. Now, this all comes back down to 2022, of course, because how on earth can we have secure elections in the year 2022 if, you know, the year 2020's elections were stolen right in front of everyone's eyes? There's no resolution here. There's no resolve. So this all forebears into 2022 naturally. Now, if you guys are savvy and you're paying attention, what you're doing is you're watching how the Texas State House, from the executive to the legislature, are playing the campaign season with their uh, optical maneuvering of political strategy and political speak, right? 
So you know that when President Trump said, hey, Abbott, I need you to do an audit, you know, Abbott was like, we're going to do this audit. It's going to be the best dang audit. It's going to be the biggest, most thorough and forensic audit. Forensic, Abbott says. This is a forensic audit. Okay. And then within 24 hours, Abbott spits out a plan, okay, about how he's going to do this audit. The plan gets to the desk of the C report. Mr. C reviews the plan. And right away, Mr. C can tell Abbott, the audience, and everyone else in Texas that this is a sham forensic audit. It is a piece of crap. It is nowhere near what they did in Arizona. And I don't understand how Abbott and the Office of the Secretary of State are going to try to full placate, bamboozle, or otherwise, um, you know, just totally try and satisfy the Texas electorate. Come on, guys. We're not going to fall for this. Okay. So now where a lot more of this impetus comes in is in that lawsuit I shared with you guys from those brave, bold Texans. They called out Abbott and they called out Secretary of Snakes, John Scott, okay, on their sham forensic audit. Now, you really have to know about this whole story to pay attention to the story I'm about to share with you guys, because this is coming up again in the state of Texas. And I think it's time that Texans recognize this because this has happened before and it's happening again. And it just so happens that these liberal progressive type uh, democratic um, um, organizations who say they're fighting for civil rights are once again getting in the way of election integrity. You know, the Democrats across the nation, let alone in the state of Georgia, cannot pull off this entire, uh, what is it, uh, um, um, voter suppression bullcrap whenever we start talking about securing our elections, asking for identity, uh, making sure that we don't have fraud transpiring in our most sacred right on this, uh, in this nation, you know. But for some reason in the state of Texas, they can pull it off. Okay. In the state of Texas, these civil liberty groups, these Democrats, these, you know, um, leftists, they can pull off voter suppression and they win. It's happened before. It's happening again. How does this have to tie into the forensic audit? Well, let me tell you guys how it ties into the forensic audit. And um, it, it's a direct tie-in, guys. When I say it's a direct tie-in, I mean we're talking down to the number of voters that this story is affected by. And Texans need to know about it so Texans can speak about it and understand it. And they can address it with their representatives. Okay, now. This article comes from the Texas Tribune, one of the most progressive liberal um, um, newspapers in Texas. Now, people kind of get pissed off, especially diehard patriots, when we start going through the enemy papers. They're like, all you do is read CNN and Fox News all day long. I'm like, well, you know what? Would you know about this if you did not listen or visit these enemy papers sometimes? Because I've already looked in the good papers here in Texas. This story is not yet been told except for in the liberal papers, because they are trying to attack election integrity and conservative values for secure elections. So yes, Texas Tribune, thank you for the scoop. 
And for bringing us to our attention, let's take a gander real quick at what they are saying. Texas can withhold its list of people it thinks are non-citizens and can't vote. Appeals court rules. So what is this? Uh, okay, appeals court is saying that someone requested a list of people in Texas that they think are non-citizens and do not have the right to vote, which means that if their citizenship is in question, the county clerk of the county or township that is overseeing that voter roster is being instructed to investigate and either approve it or remove it. Okay. Now this is a big danger to, and, and this is understandable guys, people who have been naturalized citizens. In other words, they went through the process, right? Like they went through the process of getting their citizenship. So before I get into this article, here's the big whoop, okay? You have liberal and left-leaning Democrat civil rights organizations that are basically calling this voter suppression, and they're basically saying you're disenfranchising these people who went through the process to get your their, their citizenship. This is what we, we want this process of citizenship, and we want to honor it as American citizens, as United States voters, correct? Correct. So we obviously do not want to disenfranchise them. However, what these organizations, these civil liberties organizations are doing is they are putting those disenfranchised citizens um, who are naturalized and they're putting like the percentage of those people into this entire grouping of individuals who are here illegally. And they're using the naturalized citizen who's mistakenly being put on these lists because it could be fixed. It could be ferreted out. You know, that is the clerk's job. Okay, so say the clerk gets a, a list of 100 names of people who are questionable voters who might not be citizens and 17 of those people were naturalized. Well, all the clerk has to do is fix that and uh, send the communication over. Look, we had 17 of these 100 people who got their citizenship the right way. The rest of these people, they're illegal. We have to remove them. Okay, but that's not what's happening here. The civil, civil liberties groups are trying to get these people who are naturalized citizens who need to be able to vote, okay, and they're, use, they're exploiting them in order to get everyone else who's illegal to vote. And they're using that as like a form of voter suppression and voter disenfranchisement. And this is how they're winning. It happened in 2019, guys. This happened in 2019 with uh, uh, Governor Abbott's number three secretary of state or number four secretary of state. Okay. Because he's on number five right now. Okay. All right. I got it right this time. He's on number five, right? John Scott's number five, right? Uh, uh, Ruth, uh, Ruth, uh, whatever her name was, she was number four. So Whitley was number three. Okay. So, um, Greg, Greg Abbott's number three secretary of state tried to do this. He tried to secure the voter rolls in 2019 by getting a list of everyone who had been given like a Texas voter ID who was not a natural citizen, okay, who had not gone through the process, who had not taken their oath, who had not learned anything about the United States of America, who could not sing bar for bar, you know, the, uh, the, um, <laughs> either the Texas, uh, the Texas state anthem or the national anthem could not do any of that. Right. Okay. And you know what happened? Do you know what happened with uh, secretary of state number three in his investigation? What he was trying to do is he was trying to purge voter rolls of non-citizens who had been put on the voter rolls by the DMV when they got their ID. That's what he was trying to do. So when 
he sent over communication to the DMV that he needed all of this information. What the DMV did is they sent over all of uh, the people who are not able to vote, even the people who are not registered to vote. And, uh, and then the civil liberties groups and the media went after him as a racist who is trying to uh, keep disenfranchised Hispanics from voting. <laughs> Can you believe it? Okay, so this happened in 2019. That's why I'm bringing this story to y'all's attempt now. And then we'll get into the governor's debate. <laughs> okay, so uh, here's what we got going on. The appellate court reversed a previous ruling that found that Texas violated federal laws by refusing to release the list. Okay, so now we're getting to federal versus state here, guys. Okay, the suit was brought by five civil rights groups that sought to hold Texas accountable if it disenfranchised naturalized citizens. A federal appeals court has ruled that Texas does not need to release details about a list of 11,700 and 37 registered voters whom the state has identified as potential non-citizens, okay? The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit on Thursday reversed a lower court's ruling in August in which a district judge had found Texas was violating federal law by refusing to release the list, okay? So you guys get this, right? So we have a list here of 11,737 potential non-citizens who were voting. They voted, okay? They voted, okay? And some lower court was like, Texas is violating and disenfranchising these people by saying that we have to make those lists public. So then the U.S. Court of Appeals reverses that. Okay. So that's a, you know, okay. So that's a good thing for the moment, right? And what we're seeing here, guys, is a question of these non-citizen voters. And where did this number of 11,737 of them come from? Okay. Where did it come from? The article continues. The appellate court found that the five civil rights groups suing the Texas Secretary of State for the list did not have standing to sue. Circuit Judge Edith H. Jones wrote in the ruling that the groups have neither established injury to themselves from the state's refusal to release the list, nor sued on behalf of any voter included on the list who could be harmed. The coalition offered no meaningful evidence regarding any downstream consequences from an alleged injury in law under the National Voter Registration Act. The lack of concrete harm here is reinforced because not a single plaintiff is a Texas voter. Much less a voter wrongfully identified as ineligible. The groups are suing the state um, are the Campaign Legal Center, the American Civil Liberties Union of Texas, the Mexican American Legal Defense and Educational Fund, the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law and Demos. The groups which sued the state in February are failing to comply with the NVRA's public disclosure requirements, sought to hold Texas accountable if it incorrectly misidentified registered voters as non-citizens and disenfranchised natural citizens. So, you know, the Democrats on a, a nationwide level are very unsuccessful at calling voter suppression and disenfranchisement when it comes to um, election security and integrity measures. But in the state of Texas, for some reason, these organizations are good at it, okay? At this point, 
we're lucky that the um, uh, this uh, appeals court basically put a kibosh on it. Okay. And I don't know how much higher else this would go up, but they were basically trying to allow these 11,000 voters to remain because, you know, if, if they disclose the list to them, I guess what will happen then is these uh, legal, uh, these organizations will attack the county clerks and make sure that they don't get uh, investigate or look at these questionable voters, you know? So um, that's what's going on in this regard. But guys, this is um, this 11,000 voters, guys, this 11,000 voters. It goes back to our Texas forensic audit. OK, here's the thing, Texas, is that this Texas Tribune article does not tell you that it does not tell you where this number of non-registered potential non-citizens, I mean, registered potential non-citizens came from. It does not tell you, Texas Tribune. Why don't you tell them where this number came from? Okay. The article says last year, Texas was sending names from the list to counties across the state to track down and remove flagged voters from voting rolls. County workers found that up to 70% of the votes whose names each county received had legally registered to vote at their naturalization ceremonies. Do you guys see why I said county clerks are getting a list of 100 names? 17 of them are naturalized citizens, so they have a right to vote. But the other... 83 of them are non-citizens, should not have been registered, and should not have voted, okay? So that's the problem. And these liberal groups are trying to ensure that these... See, they're saying not to disenfranchise, okay? They're saying we don't want to disenfranchise naturalized citizens, and we don't want to falsely, uh, you know, claim someone is a non-citizen. Well, you know what? Why don't you let the county clerks do their job that is their job, okay, to find out and to remove and to purge those voter rolls, okay? Otherwise, we need the Public Interest Legal Foundation in Texas doing this job because these guys are not, all right? But this is the thing that really got to me, okay, is that this list of names that were going out to these counties across the state wherein they did discover that 70% of the names given to them were actually naturalized citizens, so they did have a right to vote. I get it. Fix that, okay? But that is no reason, okay, to shut down the entire integrity measure that we're trying to enforce here in the state to have only lawful votes and lawful voters cast a ballot come election time. Article goes on, this is not the first time the Texas Secretary of State has been sued over trying to identify possible non-citizen voters. In 2019, Texas called into question the citizenship of nearly 100,000 voters. Do you see why Texas needs a canvas? Do you see the gross lack of negligence, the amount of voters? We're talking 11,000 guys. 2022. In 2019, it was 100,000. 100,000. And that's not even it, guys. That's probably not even, that's probably like a, an extremely conservative number there. Okay. This included tens of thousands of naturalized citizens. Okay. Okay. Um, who had legally registered to vote and sought to rescind their registration. 
Three lawsuits were filed against the state by voting rights groups, including the ACLU of Texas and more than a dozen naturalized citizens. To settle the lawsuits, Texas agreed to end the citizenship review in April 2019. The fallout led to the resignation of David Whitley, the Secretary of State, who oversaw the review. Now, when we now when I was going over this, and you guys might not be familiar with this story because I've never really talked about this particular Secretary of State, but what had happened, well, well, what had happened was when David Whitley requested from the DMV all of the information about people who were illegal or non-residents, they included the naturalized citizens in that list. So when he sent out a blanket statement to everyone who was on that list, the naturalized citizens sued. Okay, so that's what happened. The DMV played him dirty on that, and they included the naturalized citizens in the list of non-citizens to him. These people in the state of Texas do not want to endanger their voting block of unnaturalized non-citizens, and that's what the big deal is here. Okay, that's why this is happening. That's why I believe you have these groups who are fighting for them, and they basically got David Whitley thrown out of his office when he he wanted to pursue the list of 100,000 voters potentially non-citizens because of concerns from constituents from previous voting years. Okay, so do you see how they do that, guys? Now, the reason why I say this story is prominent and this story is only here, thank you, Texas Tribune, because of the 11,737 non-citizen potential voters, okay, guys, and how that relates to this Texas forensic audit Take a look at this, cbnnnews.com. Texas Forensic Audit identifies thousands of votes casted by suspected non-citizens and deceased voters. And this is with even an incomplete and an unthorough and a non-forensic audit. We still found this, guys. Like, it's a sham audit, guys. It's a sham audit. It's not full. It's not thorough. It's not forensic. Okay, none of that crap. All of those are lies from Abbott and uh, Secretary of Snakes, John Scott. OK, but even though it's not full, it's not thorough, it's not forensic, we still found thousands of votes in part one of our audit. OK, how many votes do you think they found, Texas? How many votes do you think they found? Well, let me tell you how many they found. The findings of part one, which were released in December 31st of 2021, show that 11,737 potential non-U.S. citizens were listed as registered voters. From this full forensic, supposedly full, supposedly forensic audit, you have these leftist civil liberties organizations attacking the state of Texas and the Secretary of State over their full forensic audit and attempting to stop the county, the county clerks from discovering these 11,737 potential. Where do you think it's coincidence, guys? No. That number comes from this audit, okay? This audit that Texas Tribune is not talking about, okay, this audit that should have been completed in April of this year and is still not complete, okay, still not complete. You see, Texas was running out the time as well, guys. Texas was running out the time to September 3rd, 2022, when they could legally dispose of all of their 2020 election data. Even though they still have 2019, 2018, 2017, 2016, 2015, 2014, they still have 2021, but they're going to get rid of 2020, okay? Now, Texas was running out the clock too, guys. Texas was running out the clock. That's why this audit's not even done yet, all right? 
Okay, but now that part one is complete and we do have county clerks assigned to investigate these potential non-voters, okay? We have civil liberties ready to put the kibosh on it just like they did in 2019. And who knows, maybe they will also be able to put the head of John Scott on their mantle just like they did David Whitley, third secretary of state for Greg Abbott. And that's about all I had to share with you guys today. Just so you guys are aware of what's going on because no one is talking about this forensic audit, supposed forensic audit that's happening here. And now any, any, any footholds that we have made, any leeway we have made in the state of Texas with this audit, we have this happening. And we have these civil liberties, are, they're going to put the kibosh on it. Just wait and see what happens, guys. Nothing is going to come of this audit, okay? And Texas will be totally placated, bamboozled. And with a 10-incher, you know where, guys. But I guess that's just the way we like it in Texas. <laughs> All right, let's move it on over, guys. We're going to go on to the Beto, Beta versus Abbott governor's debate for the remainder of today's show. We got about 20-some-odd eh, minutes left, guys. So we'll watch about 20 minutes of this debate. It is a weak debate, guys. It's it, this is oh you want you want to see uh, an establishment uh, a Republican go up a against a Democrat progressive? Yeah, you're not going to get fireworks, guys. Okay, <laughs> you're not going to get fireworks in case that's what you were thinking was going to happen. Um, interesting enough, you know, both of them claimed misinformation, right? Abbott was like, well, you know, Beto's lying to you. I mean, like three times Abbott was like, Beto is giving you misinformation. Beto is lying to you. If Beto would tell the truth, okay, Beto tried to pull that on Abbott also, but you can kind of tell. <laughs> He's just using Abbott's tactics against him, but Abbott's actually telling... For those of you who know, okay, you can tell who's telling the truth. It, it, it goes without saying anyways. But, uh, okay, so let's check it out, guys. For the remainder of the show, we're going we're gonna to check out this weak-ass debate. It's the only one that's happening, and it happened in front of a zero-audience member. <laughs> There's no one in the... It was an empty audience in an empty university uh, um, theater, right? Uh, and yeah. Oh, now Beto's saying that Abbott uh, didn't want an audience, right? And Abbott's saying, well, Beto agreed to these terms a long time ago. He's just being a hypocrite. <laughs> Anyways, y'all, I don't know who got to see this or what, but uh, here we are. This is the only Texas gubernatorial debate for the year 2022, ladies and gentlemen. Try not to fall asleep. Started. I'm going to send it over to my colleague Sally with the first question. Britt, thank you. And again, thank you both for being here tonight. I can tell it's going to be an exciting night. Got a lot of questions to ask you both, but I just want to remind you, please pay attention to the time cues this way, you're not talking over each other, and I don't have to interrupt you, and our viewers at home can hear your answers tonight. Let's get to it. Immigration. Immigration issues are especially relevant here in the Rio Grande Valley. For years, U.S. Customs and Border Protection has ranked it as the number one area for migrants crossing illegally along the entire southwestern border. 
Many communities here have suffered enormous monetary costs. Governor Abbott, let's start with you and you have 60 seconds with this question. What would you do to alleviate the financial burden placed on these communities? We've been working to respond to the disaster caused by the Biden administration that has caused such an economic burden on these communities. Uh, farms and ranches are, are run over, communities are disrupted, homes that are invaded. Uh, remember this, just two years ago, we had one of the safest borders in decades, but under the Biden administration, we have more people coming across the border than ever in the history of our country. Texas has responded by making sure that we have the National Guard and DPS uh, deployed uh, where they're making arrests and turning back illegal immigrants, as, as well as what we're doing to help local communities by busing them from uh, the area where Border Patrol is dropping them off uh, to sanctuary cities uh, in northeastern parts of the country. Uh, but what we're doing is making sure that we are keeping our community safe, and this is completely different than the way things would be uh, under Beto, because he said months ago, there is no problem on the border. He said that uh, he would reduce uh, immigration enforcement. He even said that 95% of people come across the border Thank illegally. You, he would allow to stay. Okay, I, Mr. O'Rourke, I want to I want to give you a, a chance to respond. And let me just repeat the question first for our viewers and for you: What would you do to alleviate the financial burden placed on border communities related to migrants crossing over? 60 seconds, please. What we just heard from the governor is what we are likely to hear over the course of this debate. He's going to blame people like President Biden. He's going to try to lie about my record, and he's going to distract from his failures, whether it's his failure to keep the lights on in the grid, his failure to address school shootings, or his failure in immigration. We are eight years into his time as governor, and this is what we have on our border. In fact, $4 billion into Operation Lone Star, we're seeing not fewer but more encounters at our border right now. What we need is a safe, legal, orderly path for anyone who wants to come here to work, to join family, or to seek asylum. If you come to this country, we expect you to follow the law. But on our side, we're gonna make sure that our laws reflect our values and our interests. And I'm going to work with local leaders, Republicans and Democrats alike, to make sure that we have a Texas-based guest worker program to alleviate shortages that we have in our state for labor demands and reduce inflation and address supply chain issues as well. Thank you. Governor Abbott, you just heard your opponent talk about Operation Lone Star, and I have a follow-up question about that. About $4 billion in state funds has been directed to the Operation Lone Star Border Security Initiative. Uh, the program has seen its funding increase as recently as this past July. So the question, Governor, and 30 seconds if you can to answer this, should more money be allocated towards Operation Lone Star? And if so, Governor, how much? Well, candidly, we shouldn't have to seconds. allocate any money for it because this is all because of Joe Biden's failure to do the president's job to secure the border. We're only having to do that because of Joe Biden's failure and because it would be the same pathway uh, that Beto would take us down. Speaking of which, he talked about this uh, guest worker program. He could have done that had he won the race for the Senate or won the race for president. That's not a job for governor. The job of governor is to have to deal with the chaos caused by the Biden administration and his open border policies that Beto would replicate. Just What uh, we have is chaos you... thanks to Governor Abbott right now. Okay, let me give you 15 seconds to answer the question for me. Um, how much money should be going toward Operation Lone Star. And I'm telling you, zero dollars okay. should be going to Operation Lone Star, and that's what it would be if we had a president who was enforcing the immigration laws of the United States of America. Mr. Work, I want to go over to you 30 seconds for this question. It's the same one. Should more money be allocated towards Operation Lone Star? No, it's clearly failed. Um, the numbers are in. We're seeing not fewer, but more engagements at our border. When the governor spent $4 billion of our tax dollars 
on what has turned out to be political theater for his political career. He promised us that it would deter people from coming to this country. We've only seen more people come. Now they get a bus ride to Chicago or Washington, D.C. or New York. We don't need any more stunts. We need solutions. We need those coming here to follow our laws. We need to make sure our laws follow Thank our values. Thank you, Mr. Can I respond Ward. To that, please? I'll give you 15 seconds, Governor. Sure. So th these uh, are efforts to protect our state. There is a record amount of fentanyl coming across the border. This deadly, we have, Texas law enforcement has seized enough fentanyl to kill every man, woman, and child in the entire country. And this is because okay. of Joe Thank Biden's policy. Thank you, policies. Governor Abbott. I assure you we have a lot of questions, a lot of topics to get to, and Steve has the next one. Thank you, Sally, and thank you, gentlemen, for both being here tonight. Uh, Mr. O'Rourke, I want to continue with the immigration topic now. You've criticized the deployment of National Guard troops to the border. Here's a clip of you speaking at a March rally in College Station. Okay. My Red Shadow Legends legends. We have a spider. That scared me all. Pardon me. I, <laughs> I forgot. They've got commercials. Okay. How is that sounding to you guys so far, right? I mean, Abbott sounds kind of, I don't know. He sounds kind of hurried and weak. Uh, but, I mean, his points, I think, are still a bit better than uh, what we're seeing with uh, Beto. To be expected. All right. Sorry, guys. I hope I didn't scare you with that commercial. Here we go. 15 seconds, Governor. Sure. So th these uh, are efforts to protect our state. There is a record amount of fentanyl coming across the border. This deadly, we Texas law enforcement has seized enough fentanyl to kill every man, woman, and child in the entire country. And this is because okay. of Joe Thank Biden's you, policies. Thank you, Governor Abbott. I assure you we have a lot of questions, a lot of topics to get to, and Steve has the next one. Thank you, Sally, and thank you, gentlemen, for both being here tonight. Uh, Mr. O'Rourke, I want to continue with the immigration topic now. You've criticized the deployment of National Guard troops to the border. Here's a clip of you speaking at a March rally in College Station. There are Guard members from Texas A&M who are on the border right now in Sabata and Webb and Hidalgo counties to go be part of a solution in search of a problem. A solution in search of a problem. More recently, you told the Houston Chronicle that you will put some troops on the border as governor. In 60 seconds, can you explain why your view on deploying troops has seemingly changed when it comes to the border? It hasn't. I've actually been to Zapata and Webb and Maverick counties and listened to these members of the Guard who had less than a week to say goodbye to their families and to their careers and into their communities to be part of the governor's political theater. Those aren't my words. Those are their words. So far, we've lost the lives of eight Guard members. Four of them have taken their lives and four of them have died in questionable circumstances, none of whom, by the way, was killed by anybody coming in to this country. Um, these Guard members say they have no powers to arrest or detain anybody. 10,000 Guard members, $4 billion, and it's been a complete failure, much as everything that the governor has done has been a failure for this state. What we need are solutions, not more stunts where we can have a strategic deployment on a voluntary basis for Guard members, let's do that. I've been consistent on that. Where we can partner with local sheriffs, with DPS troopers, let's do that. But we need to work on things like a Texas-based guest worker program to meet labor needs in our communities and ensure that our laws match our values. Thank you, Mr. O'Rourke. Governor, I wanna to talk to you. You talked about uh, migrants and the busing of migrants. Many migrant advocates and Democratic elected officials have expressed concerns about the treatment of migrants 
being bused from Texas to other states and cities. Here's New York Mayor Eric Adams talking about that just last week. And when we reached out to Governor Abbott and stated, can we coordinate? Can we identify, you know, who's traveling here that we don't have to guess this? They refuse to do so. The White House has called this a political stunt. Governor Abbott, is this a political stunt? And has there been coordination with the states and cities these migrants are being taken to? And if not, why not? You have 60 seconds, sir. So this operation began after meeting with local officials, uh, sheriffs, mayors, police chiefs, and county judges, where they were overrun with the number of migrants that Border Patrol had dumped into the, to their tiny little communities. They needed relief, and busing was one of the ways of providing them relief, and thus began the process of, of busing the migrants to cities that self-identified as sanctuary cities. Mayor Adams has never called my office, never talked to anybody uh, in, in my administration, uh, and so what he's saying is just flat-out false. There has been communication between non-governmental organizations in Texas as well as the ultimate location, whether it be Washington, D.C., or New York. But going back to what Bethel said, he's what you showed on video earlier was what happens throughout this entire campaign where Beto continues to flip-flop on issue after issue after issue. He's flip-flopped on the border issue. He's uh, flip-flopped on the energy issue, such as uh, energy jobs and the Green New Deal. Uh, he's flip-flopped on defunding the police. Whether it's one issue or another, he keeps changing positions. I want to be clear, though. You say that Mayor Adams has never called your office. Correct. Thank you. Mr. O'Rourke, I want to follow up on this. You've called the busing of migrants a political stunt as well. Why shouldn't sanctuary cities share the burden of what's happening on the Texas border? You have 30 seconds. Look, I, I live on the border. Uh, no one cares more about the security and safety of the border than those who are raising our children there. I also serve as a city council member there. And in my time working with law enforcement, working with state and federal partners, we were able to help make El Paso, Texas, one of the safest cities in the United States of America. It's because we were looking at solutions instead of these stunts. I just wanna remind everyone, this guy's been governor for eight years, and this is where we are today. Some of the worst levels of engagement, encounters, fentanyl trafficking, and human smuggling that we've seen. That's Mr. the Rourke, result please, of stunts instead of the, solutions. Stick to the time, please. Thank you. Steve, I've got to respond to what he just said. Absolutely. I'll, he, give, you, he, I'll he, give you 15 seconds. He mentioned El Paso. The, the fact of the matter is the El Paso mayor, a Democrat, the El Paso City Council, Democrats, they are now busing more people than the state of Texas is busing. And he's not calling them out for them busing complete, people to other regions. It's a different program. It, it, is, it is apples to oranges. And I'll tell you, this hateful rhetoric, this treating human beings as political pawns, talking about invasions okay, gonna, in Texas, Texas defending themselves, that's how people get killed at the Walmart in El Thank Paso. You, the gentleman in Hudspeth uh, that we just learned about yesterday, this is incredibly dangerous for Texas and is not reflective of our values. Okay, Governor, I want to give you 30 seconds to respond to those charges. Sure, I mean, it's, it's, it's clear you know, that, that Beto just wants to perpetuate the open border policies and mischaracterize exactly what's going on. Uh, he refuses to acknowledge uh, that the city of El Paso, because they are so overwhelmed by Joe Biden's open border policies, they too are having to bust migrants out of their communities because they have no way of keeping them there. That's what we're trying to do to help our local communities and make sure that we are going to lighten the load. No, no one is for open borders, uh, not the least of us who, who actually live on the borders. Th this is the kind of stunt right, I wanna, that I you wanna, get from Greg wanna, Abbott. We I, need solutions right now. I wanna go to a follow-up for you, Governor Abbott, sure. and it's on the busing question. These migrants are being sent to states and cities with Democratic leadership. 
why aren't these migrants being sent to so-called sanctuary cities in Republican-led states like New Orleans or, or Metro Atlanta? You have 30 seconds. So again, because these cities of New York and Washington, D.C. and Chicago are so large and have the infrastructure that's available, they have the capability of accommodating the number of migrants that are being sent better than these other cities that you talked about. Uh, there will be other cities in the future that also will be on the receiving end of migrants because we will continue to have to move migrants because Joe Biden continues to allow more illegal immigrants to come into the state of Texas. Thank you, Governor. My colleague, Gromer Jeffers, has the next question. Thank you, Steve, and hello, gentlemen. Um, good to see you both. You too, Gromer. Uh, let's pivot now to the topic of gun control. Following the Uvalde massacre, many community, many community members <clears throat> made this one specific plea. Here's one student who survived the shooting at Robb Elementary. People remember ads with repetition. Bundle and save with Liberty Mutual. Bundle and save with Liberty Mutual. What is the real story of? I'm back, guys. Dang it! It looks like uh, it looks like they got away with bundle and saving with you all. Sorry about that. Hey, two in the pink. Thank you for the uh, can. Good to see you, Veronique. Sorry, my uh, computers are all funky today, so uh, I didn't see you guys there initially. And uh, we're just doing uh, covering this uh, Texas Abbott debate with Beta. Indeed, sir. Indeed, sir. Two in the pink. Peto is running. Peto. Beta is running on a BS. He cannot win a debate. That is for real, ladies and gentlemen. That is for real. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to get fireworks, guys, out of a, an establishment Republican and a Democrat debate. I mean, come on. Right. Uh, I think that... Um, Abbott did do a pretty good job of calling out Beto on his BS. Of course, that would be all, oh, El Paso, right? And then what happens? What happens? El Paso is busing migrants also. Okay. <laughs> Stupid Beto. All right. Uh, let's get back to this debate. Uh, we're just playing this throughout the remainder of today's show. So enjoy it while you can. Thanks for being here. You have to be 21 to buy a case of beer. But an 18-year-old bought a gun to kill kids. That does not make sense. To be clear, that's a call to raise the age limit to buy an AR-15-style weapon from 18 to 21. A Republican governor in Florida broke with the NRA to sign this into law after the Parkland mass shooting. Mr. Ms. Uh, governor Abbott, you say this can't be done in Texas. Mr. O'Rourke, you say it will be done if you're elected. Can you please explain your positions? Let's start with you, Governor Abbott. You have 60 seconds. First, there's no reason why a little girl like that should ever have to say anything like that. There's a reason why these parents are angry, and they're rightfully angry, and I can feel their pain. No, share, no parent should lose a child, and we want to do everything we can to make sure that does not happen. We want to end school shootings, but we cannot do that by making false promises. It's a false promise to suggest that we can pass a law that will be upheld uh, by the Constitution uh, to raise the age, and here's why. The most recent Federal Court of Appeals decision on this particular issue said that it, that it was unconstitutional for a state to raise the age from 18 to 21 uh, for a person to buy an AR-15. So any attempt uh, to try to, to raise the age is going to be met uh, with it being overturned. So we need to get to the bottom of what is really ailing our communities, and that is the mental health that is leading people to engage in school shootings. And Texas is already addressing that. 
Yeah, just just a quick follow-up, uh, Governor. Take 15 seconds to answer this. You're a former attorney general. You, you've never shied away from a legal fight. Are you against this proposal because you feel like it's unconstitutional or you believe that it's unnecessary? You it, personally it, believe that it's unnecessary. Purely from a legal uh, position, based upon what that Court of Appeals decision ruled, and importantly, based upon what the Supreme Court decision said in a June opinion that changed the way that that Parkland case was determined. I know how the Parkland case was, was determined. Florida is going to have its law overturned because Thank of this you. new Supreme Court decision. Thank you, Governor. Mr. O'Rourke, in 60 seconds, can you uh, please explain your position on raising the age limit to purchase AR-15 style weapons? First of all, I'm going, follow, I'm going to follow the lead of those families from Uvalde. That's who I'm doing this for. In fact, uh, many of them drove more than five hours, 280 miles to be here today, even though they're not allowed in this theater because of the governor's conditions, because they want to hold him accountable because it's been 18 weeks since their kids have been killed and not a thing has changed in this state to make it any less likely that any other child will meet the same fate. All we need is action. And the only person standing in our way is the governor of the state of Texas. In Florida, after the Parkland shootings, it was 23 days for that Republican governor to raise the age. And in those states where the age has been raised, mass shootings are down 80%. So yes, we can raise the age to 21. And as governor, I'll bring Republicans and Democrats around the table to do that. Uh, after all of these mass shootings, this governor has done nothing except make it easier for people who should not have a firearm to carry them publicly. And this is what we get as a result. We need change. Governor Abbott, the, the last time you ran for governor, we asked you about red flag laws. Uh, and those are laws which could stop uh, an individual with a uh, potential intention to harm others from purchasing a gun. And you said about that quote, I would not support a red flag law that would take guns away from people without due process. Now, a lot has happened in those four years. Are you open to implementing red flag laws today? You have 30 seconds. Well, let me tell you what I support and I don't support. What, what I support is uh, making it a felony uh, for someone to lie on a background check. I signed that into law last year. Uh, I. Uh, approve of expanding background checks to include juvenile records. Also uh, approve of making it a crime for criminal gangs to buy or to possess a gun. But I, I'm still against uh, red flag laws for the reason that it would deny a, a lawful Texas gun owner their constitutional right to, to due process. Thank you, Governor. Mr. O'Rourke, you have been criticized at times for your positions on gun control, including this comment you made in 2019 while running for president. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore. For just $67, you can make as many videos as you want, and you never need to pick. Jesus Christ, you cannot put in a commercial right after Beto says, hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15s. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. Dang. Okay. The first time I watched this, guys, there were not nearly half as many. You know, there were no commercials the first time I watched this. It's amazing how uh, monetized these shows become in just two days. Okay. Anyways, uh, we're going to wrap it up with this segment, guys. And then we're going to bid you all adieu here at Lone Star News. It's been fun. Yeah. I told you guys this uh, debate, milk toast, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, Abbott saying what he's got to say, uh, Beto saying what he's obviously going to say, 
And yeah, you're gonna choose. Who are you gonna choose from between Abbott, Beto, a uh, freaking Green Party person with killer eyebrows and an unrememberable name and an unrememberable Libertarian candidate person from Mexico? <laughs> All right, guys, this is this is this is the culmination. This is the end. Uh, you know, this debate, actually, it's about an hour. It's about an hour long. Right. Uh, we watched about a third of it. We'll watch a little bit more and then uh, we'll call it a due. Thanks for being here today on Lone Star News. I hope you guys have been having fun. But in February, you told reporters in Tyler that you were, quote, not interested in taking anything away from anyone. So which is it, uh, Mr. O'Rourke? Are you for, for confiscating AR-15 style weapons or not? Which is it, Beto? Which is it? I'm 23 of my neighbors to somebody armed with a weapon of war. Um, after talking to these families who could only identify their children in Uvalde by the shoes that they were wearing, it's clear to me that the only place that an AR-15 or an AK-47 makes sense is on a battlefield. But as governor of the state of Texas, I need to be focused on what we can get done. Raising the minimum age of purchase to 21, we can get that done. A red flag law, we'll get that done. Universal background checks, we will get that done. We'll make progress and take action where this governor has failed. Thank you, Mr. Ward. So just to be clear, yes or no, are you for confiscating AR-15 style weapons? I'm for making sure that we make progress. Those families that I was just with from Uvalde want us to take action. This is the common ground. I've listened to Republicans and Democrats alike on this. We can agree on this much. Raise the age to 21. Okay. Red, red flag law and universal Thank background Thank you, check. Mr. O'Rourke. Steve has the next question. Thank you, Gromer. Uh, we want to focus in now more on the Uvalde shooting. A gunman killed 19 children and two adults. Its effects, though, go far beyond Uvalde. Mr. O'Rourke, I want you to speak to parents of victims and really all parents statewide worried about their children's safety at school. What would you do if elected to prevent this from happening again? You have 60 seconds. Just like you, I'm a parent with Amy. We're raising Ulysses and Molly and Henry in El Paso. And we are well aware that it's been 18 weeks and this governor has not lifted a finger to make it any less likely that any of our kids will meet that same fate. We need change. The governor just talked about mental health care. Um, we are dead last in the nation when it comes to mental health care access. And he took $211 million from the mental health care budget of the state of Texas. He'll talk about police funding. He failed to fund the police radios in Uvalde, even when that police department asked for them. And you know what? Those radios failed on that day. I want every parent out there to know that the lives of your children are more important to me than the NRA or any special interest or any other political consideration. I will prioritize them ahead of everything else and we will take action and we will make progress. We'll bring Republicans, Democrats, independents alike together and we'll get the job done where this governor has failed to do so. Governor Abbott, to you now, the families of the victims, the Uvalde School District, the Uvalde County Commissioners, the Uvalde City Council, all asked for you to call a special session in the wake of the tragedy. You did not, despite calling them on several other issues in the past. Can you explain why you didn't call a special session? You have 60 seconds. I will, but I must first respond uh, to what we have to respond to every single day. Beto's campaign continues to spew uh, lies and false information. He said two things that are completely false. He said that we're, we're last in mental health care. 
the fact of the matter is Texas is now 27th in mental health care because of funding that I provided. Texas has provided more than $25 billion for mental health care in the last three sessions. He also said that we did not fund police radios in Uvalde. Completely false. We provided $1.6 million for Uvalde alone for their police radio systems since I've been governor. So Beto continues to provide false information. What I want to make sure that the, the leaders in Uvalde know is, as, as we've shown, we don't need to call a special session in order to take action. Uh, for six consecutive days uh, after the shooting took place, I issued directives to make school safer and respond to the emergency in Uvalde. Uh, and then I remain engaged with the mayor, with the local leaders. It could have been worse. That's what you told those families. That's what would, you told that would, community. And you have done you. nothing to help them. Mr. O'Rourke, Mr. 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 we're not done with this topic yet, so you will have your say. But, but Governor, I want to follow up with you. There's a, there's a regular session coming up in January. Will you make school safety an emergency item for lawmakers when they meet? You have 15 seconds. Absolutely. Just like I did uh, in past sessions. This is going to be an emergency item. The, over the summer, I requested special legislative committees to begin working already so that they will have ready when we begin the session to address if, Uvalde, if an the broader-based issue across the entire state of Texas. If it's an emergency call, a special earlier. session now. What, why uh, wait till the next year? Mr. Rourke, a question for you now. Gun violence still, is a leading cause of death for children and teenagers in this state. Why are you sir, waiting please, to save lives? We, we need to move on. We've got a lot of topics we <clears> want to get to, but we want to stay on Uvalde because there's still some questions that we have here. So I appreciate you staying within your time. Uh, Mr. O'Rourke, Uvalde School District Police Chief Peter Adondo, who led the initial law enforcement response at Robb Elementary, was fired. Is there anyone else who should be held accountable for the mistakes made in that hallway in Robb Elementary that day? You have 30 seconds. The governor said it himself in an interview to Gromer Jeffers last month. There should be accountability up and down the ballot, beginning with Greg Abbott. I think he has lost the right to serve this state in the most important position of public trust. Um, furthermore, we know that there were 91 DPS troopers for whom he is responsible who were on the other side of an unlocked door, some for more than 70 minutes. There is a complete failure to hold people responsible, accountable. Those families still do not have justice. As governor, I will make it my priority. Thank you, Mr. O'Rourke. Governor, now to you. There was right. it. Go ahead. I'll give you 15 seconds if you want to respond to what well, you I mean, said. I was, I was going to answer your que the question. I thought you were going to ask me. But... I've got another question okay. for you. Uh, right after the shooting, you said this. And you cannot know what Abbott said because a commercial has just played. All right, guys, I guess we're going to go ahead and end today's episode of Lone Star News on that whopping cliffhanger. Sorry, guys. I know. If you want to see the rest of the uh, Milk Toast Greg Abbott Rhino versus um, Beta Charles of uh, Robert Francis O'Rourke Progressive Liberal Twat debate, uh, well, you can find it on YouTube because interesting enough, they can talk about the political things uh, Abbott can on YouTube, but uh, we can't. Anyways, guys, thank you all for tuning again today to uh, this episode of Lone Star News, bringing you Texas news, views, current events, headlines, etc. What have you? Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3 p.m. Central Time. And uh, I am your host, Mr. C. 
as always, thank you for being part of this live audience, whether you are joining us over at pill.net, the Foxola app, Rumble, Clout Hub, uh, YouTube, oh wait, we cut YouTube out, sorry, Odyssey, Trovo, or, uh, you know, did I say Rumble? Thanks for being with us. I am your host, Mr. C. I'll be back on Wednesday with more Texas news and uh, local events, 3 p.m. Central Time. If you can't get enough of me, I'll be back at 7.30 p.m. here on these very channels. That is Mr. C TV for the uh, Monday night edition of the C Report. Till then, guys, you have a great afternoon. Take care. Go get you all a great, good dinner there. And I'll see you at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. This is Mr. C for Lone Star News signing out. Have a great afternoon. And I'll see you next time. Ta-ta. talk about Georgia. Uh, President Trump truthed about this earlier. Ballot images missing, right? Drop boxes with no video. And Disney's like, well, we don't care about that. We're going to die on this hill. We're going to be gay and we're going to rape our children no matter what you say because we are Disney. Uh, we don't normally run see in the dark uh, during the week. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, what the heck is this bald band talking about? Uh, you know, multiple broadcasts and shows come here on Mr. CTV channel. Uh, so you've got your C report Monday through Friday in the evening hours, right? And uh, we do see in the dark, which is a late night weekend talk show kind of, you know, broadcast, right? So guys, watch out. We got a swamp creature coming to the screen. So look out now. Look out now. <laughs> oh no, it's wretched Gretchen Whitmer. Check out the Political Truth Apparel line. Covefe. Rhino hunting season. Secretary of Snakes. And more to come. Fun. Fashionable. Edgy. Cational. Go to Mr. C Online Store at www.thecreport.com. Click on the top right menu. Use coupon code 1776REBORN at checkout.